Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson, the host of the show. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils brought to you by our partners at Bet Online. BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. On today's edition of the program, I'm joined by Brendan Marks of The Athletic, good buddy of mine. Excited to bring him over into the YouTube space with us here on Lockdown Blue Devils to talk all things Duke men's basketball. Brendan, appreciate the time as always. Good to see you, my friend, and uh, welcome back onto the show. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for having me. This is a, this is a fancy setup you guys got going on. I'm glad to be glad to be part of it. No, we're excited. We've got a lot to catch up on. It's been a little bit since we last spoke, uh, following the conclusion of the 2022 men's basketball season, an end that uh, was not the one that Duke would have loved to see. But boy, looking back on it, the reflection that takes place kind of surreal that a team with a lot of pressure going into the year, being Mike Shashevsky's final season made a run all the way to the final four. Just pretty incredible looking back what they were able to get done. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the thing that's crazy is so often at the beginning of the year, you hear teams say, oh, we want to be in the final four. Oh, we're a national title contender. Oh, you know, we have these big ambitious goals. And that's great to say in like October, November, but to actually maintain that and to be able to go for five months long and to maintain that level that's required to get to that point. I mean, it's astounding. So, um, I think we knew, you know, by the end of November that this is one of the best teams in the country. And we saw that play out in March, you know, one of the last four standing. And um, like you said, didn't didn't end the way that I think a lot of Blue Devil fans would have liked. But still, um, some incredible wins, some incredible moments. And and obviously, I think uh, a lot of fans have got to be happy about the way Coach K goes out with one more Final Four run. And a team that, you know, even for me, objectively, was just a ton of fun to watch. No kidding. I mean, I've got so many memories from this past year. I think a lot of people do. And uh, it's going to be fun to look back and reflect on the 13th Final Four for Coach K in his final season and a lot of great players uh, that ultimately five of them making the decision to go on to the NBA draft. A lot of talk about what's next for a guy like Trevor Keels, the idea of coming back to Durham for a sophomore season or taking the next step and remaining committed to the NBA draft process. Uh, on Tuesday night, we saw the draft lottery in which the Orlando Magic won, and we also saw all five Duke Blue Devils in attendance, looking very sharp, I might add, with their best fits on uh, for the next potential teams to draft them. But uh, what, what what's your thoughts now that we're in this NBA Combine Week and phase uh, in regards to the draft for these five Duke players? Yeah, well, I mean, one, they're all better dressed than I could ever hope to be. I mean, they look great. Um, but two, you know, I, I think that this is sort of the time, especially this week, where we're sussing out a lot of what's realistic for these guys. And that's that's the whole name of the game at this point, is what is realistic in terms of if you're someone like an A.J. Griffin or a Mark Williams, how high can you go? Where could you maybe fall to? Trying to find that range of what's comfortable for you, I think that's something that's going to be continued to develop at the Combine and obviously with – uh, private workouts over the course of the next month. And then in the case of guys like Wendell Moore, same sort of thing. But Trevor Keels is obviously the one that I think a lot of Duke fans are watching right now because he is the guy who could still come back. 
Um, you know, as it was explained to me, you know, back when they were all going through the process of putting together their announcements, the, the idea of him coming back has always been on the table. It was never as clear cut as set in stone as it has been with the other four guys who were going. Even Wendell Moore, who, you know, you see him appear in a lot of mocks towards the back of the first round early in the second. If Trevor Keels comes back to Duke, there's a real opportunity for him in a number of different ways. There's going to be substantial NIL money for him there. You know, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that he could earn as much as five, if not 10 times more than he made this year, which is a lot of money. Um, he has a chance to improve his stock. He obviously would slot in so nicely for John Shire's first full roster. I mean, there's a lot of pluses and advantages to doing that, whereas right now he is, from the NBA folks who I talk to, not a guaranteed first-round pick by any means. So um, he is the one that I think is really interesting, and by the end of this week we should have a better idea of what direction he's leaning in terms of coming back or staying in the draft. The NIL partnerships are just so different to uh, now have to factor into a lot of this. All season long we saw – Trevor Keels posting some love from Outback Steakhouse. I think he and Caleb Love of North Carolina were on the same partnership. That's a deal I would absolutely. Oh, uh, totally. <laughs> being partnered with Outback. But so you look at his stock and, of course, the 25 points that Keels had right out of the gates against Kentucky. From the basketball perspective, what is it specifically that do you think uh, is possibly holding Trevor Keels back uh, from the eyes of NBA folks? Yeah, you know, I, I think a big part of his consistency because you did see how good he could be in that season opener against Kentucky. And, and in some ways, it's crazy to say, but I almost think that hurt him because that was the expectation for him the rest of the way. And if you forget, you know, not, not that it was entirely out of, you know, it wasn't that this was the only reason this came about, but in that game, Paolo Bancaro's got his cramping issues. Wendell Moore's got his cramping issues. Trevor Keel almost by default, to a certain extent, has to step up and become that guy. And he did, and he was able to do that. And you go back and you watch that tape, how physical he was attacking the basket. I mean, he is relentless finishing around the rim. I'm not so sure we saw as much of that guy as the year went on. You saw more straight-line drives. There was less creativity. Obviously, the three-ball did not drop at the rate that he or his high school coaches or the coaching staff expected it to. Um and then I think defensively, for as interesting as his frame is, and all the scouts and decision makers I've spoke to said they love the idea of having a bigger body guard. It's more a question of can you rely on him to be able to keep up with the conditioning aspect of things? So um, he has lost weight since the end of the season. He's leaner. He's in better shape. But it's about putting all of that together on a more consistent basis. We saw games and flashes where he looked like a top 15 guy. Now it's a matter of is he able to do that on a night-to-night -night basis if he comes back to college there's a much better opportunity to, for him to prove that he can do that. That was a Duke and Kentucky game to start the year where Duke only made one three-pointer, which was really weird to look back on uh, a team that was pretty good at shooting the basketball and obviously very little A.J. Griffin playing in that opening game, but a big decision coming up for Trevor, and it will help this coaching staff kind of get their game plan together for the transfer portal that's in place. Uh, we're seeing now from 24-7, sports and folks that A.J. Green from Northern Iowa is on campus visiting. Uh, his dad, of course, an assistant at Iowa State. That remains a possibility out there as well. In terms of a timeline, Brendan, uh, here we are. It's our Thursday show on May 19th, 2022. Kind of catch us up to speed on what that timeline is for decisions to be made. Yeah, absolutely. So Trevor has until, and not just Trevor, but any prospect who is declared early for the draft and ultimately wants to retain, retain their college eligibility, they have until June 1st to say, I'm out. 
I'm coming back to school. So he's still got another, you know, two ish weeks or so, basically a little bit less than that to try and sort it out. And again, the big, the big sticking point was this week at the combine. It was, what is the feedback his camp is getting from various professional teams? What do the teams want to see from him? What do they want to hear from him in interviews? There have been a few, there's always going to be questions there. Um, and there will be for, you know, all five of the guys, that's a chance where, where Trevor can really help or hurt himself. I would imagine with his personality, probably more of the former. Um, but so I think the end of this week will really give us a lot of clarity because he will have a much better idea, not just of what his range looks like, but also what the specific assets that teams who are more interested in him have. You know, the difference in the team having the 25th pick versus a team having the 32nd pick, having the 33rd pick versus the 38th pick. Um, once those things become a little more ironclad and locked in stone, that's when we start to see, I think, a little more movement from teams. We can start seeing more uh, trades and things from them as well. So this week was a biggie in terms of just establishing a baseline for where everybody stands. And now he'll have another week and a half or so to make his decision. Let's talk a little bit about the rest of the Duke team, a coaching staff put together by John Shire as well as we get set for the first year of his era taking over the program. We do that with Brendan Marks of The Athletic coming up in just a moment. Today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils here on this Thursday is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Taking a look at some Duke-specific lines with college football right around the corner. Of course, the Duke Blue Devils have the longest odds to win the ACC football championship at 500-1. to In the college football world, looking at some futures, Alabama's Bryce Young and Ohio State's C.J. Stroud currently leading the way for Heisman Trophy odds going into the upcoming season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hanging out here with my buddy Brendan Marks of The Athletic on this Thursday. Brendan, we look at uh, this team being put together by John Shire, and uh, a team also includes some coaches that need to be in the mix and uh, boy, Jay Lucas coming over from Kentucky was the big name that shook waves and sent waves all throughout the college basketball world. Your reporting was so top notch on top of it all. Uh, tell me a little bit more about this hire for Shire. Yeah, you know, I, like you said, this is one that sends some waves. I mean, this is the first guy who's come from outside of the Duke family and you know, quite a while, at least the last two decades or so. And uh, there's got to be a good reason for that, right? And I think you seeing with John Shire, one of the biggest things that I think is going to be an asset for him in his first year, both from a coaching perspective and just from a program building perspective, is his diversity of thought. He is a guy who, um, you know, even more so, I would say, probably than Coach K, who's been doing something for 40 plus years now. John Shire is more willing to go back to the table and go, all right, anybody got any ideas? You know, what are we doing? What can we do differently? What can we do that works? And, um, you know, some of that is creativity and some of it is being willing to listen to those outside ideas. And so by going and taking Jay Lucas away from Kentucky, um, he's a he's a rock star recruiter. He is considered a rising star in the industry um, along, you know, sort of in that Nolan Smith role. Now, instead of just having Nolan Smith, who obviously has gone for Louisville, uh, Shire now has sort of a two pack there because he's got both Jay and he's also now got Emil Jefferson. Both their two young guys. People remember their playing careers. They've got serious recruiting juice. Um, so, you know, 
I think that when you look at the hire of Jay, the most significant thing to me was you're taking a strength from Kentucky and you're, you're weakening an opponent, somebody who is competing with you regularly for recruits, someone who's competing with you in the Champions Classic every year, somebody who's competing with you for Final Fours and national titles. At the same time, you get somebody who's going to provide different thoughts, a different thought process, a different way of doing things than has been done in Durham historically, at least during Shire's time back as a coach. And I think there's real benefits to that because of the diversity of thought. So I, I thought it was a slam dunk hire, you know, when I first heard about it. Um, I wasn't sure if it was actually going to get done or not. I thought that obviously Jay had a great role, great job at Kentucky, but um, for John to be able to land it, for him to be able to close the job there, um, you know, the man is a recruiter. What can we say, right? (laughs) No, that's the biggest thing in all this. What a job done by him to put this coaching staff together and uh, obviously elevating Emil Jefferson after his first season in Durham was a pretty easy decision for him to make there. Mike Schrage comes back into the Duke program after spending a couple of seasons as the Elon head coach. Uh, is is the coaching staff complete now? And I ask that in the in the mind that a season ago, Emil Jefferson had that director of player development role. Does it feel like this is the staff moving forward for Duke? I, I think you could still see one or two more guys come into the fold, but it's not going to be anybody who's in nearly as visible a role, I would say. Um, you know, if they were going to hire someone in that Emil role, it would either be somebody who is sort of following a similar career trajectory, somebody who is coming in to learn, who's just starting out their career. Um, and again, it's a little bit different situation because you do have a first time head coach versus, you know, arguably the, the greatest coach <laughs> of all time. So a little bit different in terms of the infrastructure there. The other position that I'm sort of interested to see if there is an official hire, if it's somebody whose job gets more responsibilities added on what it looks like. I'm fascinated to know if Duke hires a specific NIL you know, coordinator, ambassador, you know, consigliere, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that that's a position you're starting to see crop up at a couple of other schools. Kentucky, for example, has one of those positions. Um, And especially as we just continue going through this era of college athletics and you look at Duke, who has been involved in the transfer portal, was in it last year, is in it this year, is obviously weighing its options uh, for the future right now, will continue to go into it, as John Shire has said. Like the NIL thing is something you have to have a part of. And um, I know Duke is still developing its sort of its NIL framework or infrastructure, um, but I'd be fascinated to know if that ultimately materializes in a position specifically for someone to help engage in some of those deals. I mean, no kidding. It would just add so much value. I think it would make things a lot easier uh, for the coaching staff in place to not have to worry about things like that as much, not that they're spending as much time on it right now, uh, but just to have somebody in mind that can – help the uh, the players make those decisions. So uh, taking a look at next year's team, obviously you mentioned a couple of transfers coming in, but I don't even want to start there. We started the conversation talking about the NBA draft that took place, decisions that needed to be made, and for Duke basketball, Jeremy Roach going into year three is where you got to start the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Getting him back. I mean, that's the, the big, again, Shire's recruiting. You know, yeah. he's getting he's getting his guys. So, uh, you know, this is one that, frankly, I was I – was, if you had asked me at the end of February if Jeremy Roach was going to be back at Duke for a third year, I think I probably would have told you no. Um, so the, the turnaround that we saw from him the latter part of the month of February, going into the season of March in the Final Four, I mean, the growth in confidence, in shot making, in execution, in tying everything together as a lead guard – I mean, he just made leaps and bounds. It was incredible, the growth that we showed. And so getting him back, it not only gives John Shire a true veteran 
to rely on somebody who can go, all right, we may have four other freshmen on the court, but at least we got Jeremy. It also gives him a true lead guard, which is something that this team lacked for the large majority of last year. And when you look at the rest of this team, especially with some of the incoming recruits, and I'm sure we'll get into them in a second, you need somebody who can facilitate. You need somebody who's going to get the ball to those guys in their spots so that they can be effective. And I think that, you know, Jeremy Roach is, is excellent at doing that, depending on what happens at the backcourt spot next to him, whether it is Trevor Keels or a transfer coming in. Um, I think that that probably is going to have some impact on his role in terms of scoring versus playmaking. But, you know, make no mistake, Jeremy Roach is going to be as important a player as Duke has next season. And, um, you know, we saw in March what he's capable of. Now he's going to have a longer runway to do that for a full season. And, and then just sort of uncharted waters in the last decade or so for Duke basketball to have a third-year point guard coming back into the mix that you do have a good bit of confidence in. Trey Jones came back for two seasons and uh, kind of set the bar very high, winning Defensive Player of the Year and Player of the Year in the league. But this at Duke just hasn't been something that we've seen. It's not something we've seen. And, and frankly, the other thing is when you look behind Jeremy Roach, there's there's not very clear, obvious depth that's ready to contribute. You know, I think Jalen Blakes will get some opportunities. And again, uh, you know, maybe Jaden Shute gets a couple of chances to handle the ball. I think that probably something that we saw last year that will carry over is having multiple ball handlers. You know, I think Tariq Whitehead's going to be asked to do some of that. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Filipowski is asked to do some of that. Um but I think when you talk about somebody who's coming back who is doing that, like Roach is going to have to – he's going to have to play a lot of those minutes too. Um, you know, I think you bringing up the, the Trey comparison is a great one because he's the guy I immediately go to. You know, his his sophomore season was my first full season covering Duke again. And um, to see the growth that he made from year one to year yeah. two was crazy. And, and, you know, I think that Jeremy – you're probably talking about someone who's going to have a similarly large role increase in terms of the amount of time he's going to have the ball in his hands, the number of decisions he's going to be asked to make. Um, I, I really think that Jeremy has you know, the potential to have a, a rock-solid year. I mean, this is a guy who sees himself as an eventual NBA player at one point, too. Next year, in terms of setting up all of this other talent that John Shire has amassed, he's going to have the opportunity to do that. That two-guard spot that we've mentioned for the Duke Blue Devils going into next season is a big question, and uh, we'll take a look at some of the freshmen coming in as well after our final timeout here on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Our show brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, this is our new update for you. Imagine dipping your finger into a plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That's what it's like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. I just received my birthday cake puffs over the weekend, and I've never had anything like this before. They're available right now, and you can't promise, uh, I can't promise that they'll have them in stock tomorrow. So many folks are wanting them, so go get them today at Built.com. Here's what puffs are. They're so awesome. I'll let you in on a little secret. It is a chocolate-covered protein bar that's got marshmallows. Yes, 100% real chocolate and marshmallows. So epic. With 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, and only 9 grams of sugar, this limited-time flavor is an amazing option if you're looking for a healthy way to get flavor and variety into your day. Right now, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. Final few moments here on today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. Again, J.J. Jackson hanging out with my buddy Brendan Marks of The Athletic. Give yourself a, a moment, Brendan, if you will, to kind of plug The Athletic, what you guys got going on, and 
how folks can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. You know, shameless plug. Uh, everything that I write is over at theathletic.com. Uh, I try and share as much of my stuff on social as I can at Brendan R. Marks. Um, you know, I think over the off season, it's one of my favorite times of the year because during the, the day-to-day of beat work during the season, you're obviously keeping up with games, keeping up with injuries, keeping up with, with comings and goings, transactions. Um, in the off season, I get to do projects. You know, I get to talk to people. I get to work on things that are a little more extended. So um, I have some historical things in the hopper, looking back at some, some key moments in Duke basketball history, trying to do some things looking forward. What does it look like in the future? You know, I, I definitely um, – I don't know if this NIL madness is as crazy with fans, if it's super interesting, but it's so key to college athletics and trying to get a closer look at just how does Duke handle all of that. So uh, a lot of things in the hopper, but no, I'm I'm excited. It'll all be over at theathletic.com. And, you know, whether you're a Duke fan or an NBA fan or an MLB fan, whatever it is, um, I think we have the best sports writing in the planet. So if you're not already, check us out, see if you like it. I, I don't think you'd be disappointed. And just one subscription to The Athletic gives you access to all of those other sports and platforms that you're talking about. I can't encourage it enough and certainly love following, reading your work, and then our conversations that we get to have here on the podcast. Grateful for that. Let's talk about uh, the basketball team going into next season because a big conversation right now on that shooting guard position, the two-guard spot for Duke going into next season. We talked Trevor Keels at the Open, and he's clearly got to make a big decision regarding his future. What about the idea of the transfer portal, Brendan? I mentioned AJ Green a little bit earlier, but what else can you provide? Yeah, so, you know, I I think the preference, let me put it this way. The preference for Duke, obviously, is that Trevor Keels comes back, right? I mean, he's a great player. If he comes back, you look at the potential that he would have. He has the backcourt chemistry with Jeremy Roach. Obviously, they go back to high school together. They've been friends forever. They flowed very well together. He's someone who can also, I think, importantly handle some some secondary ball handling duties. Getting Trevor Keels back is a priority for the staff. That is the number one option at the top of the list. We get Keels back. That's our that's that's our starting backcourt right there. Boom. And you've got experience, talent, shot making, everything. If Trevor Keels ultimately opts to stay in the draft, which he very well may and very well may end up being a first-round pick, you can't blame him for that, then you go to the portal. You have to land a starter out of the portal because when you look at the guys who are coming back and you look at the incoming freshmen, there isn't somebody who's a natural fit there. Um, The rest of the starting lineup, I think, is probably going to be comprised of some of these five-star freshmen, but the two-guard spot, John Shire is going to have to dip into the portal for depth purposes and just for pure you know, shooting and scoring production. Um, I know that AJ Green is on, uh, he's on campus right now. I know that he's taking a tour. I know that uh, he has said that if he's either Iowa State or it's Duke, the, the dude's got a, a parent on the Iowa State coaching staff. And, uh, you know, we've seen how these things tend to go in the past. That I don't need to remind Duke fans how things just went with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, <laughs> it's hard to go against that. It really is. So, you know, that's not one that I feel too awful strongly about. But there are other guys. That's the thing. Like, what Duke is offering is a one-year starting spot on a team that has Final Four potential. That's going to be attractive to anybody out there. The thing that I think is going to be important for Duke and, and for John Shire going forward, not just in this specific instance, but in neg- uh, navigating the transfer portal, is how do I weigh bringing in somebody in the portal versus what I have lined up in my future recruiting classes? It's crazy to sound because this is not a problem that most normal people have. John Shire is not a normal recruiter. They've already got multiple backcourt pieces locked up for the following year's class. So if you're bringing in a guy who's going to be a multi-year contributor, 
you're then going to bring in more guys at those same positions. All of a sudden, you're looking at a backcourt lock. And so I think that in the portal, you're looking at somebody, like like we mentioned with Green, he's a one-year guy. He's going to come in. He's going to get his shots up. He's going to give you three-point shooting, and then he's going to be gone. Um, that is sort of the, the bill that Duke is looking to fill in the portal because – you can't risk having somebody who's going to be there for multiple years and then ends up getting recruited over just by virtue of Shire being so far out and ahead in next year's class. Boy, he's good at recruiting ahead of time. He, uh, <laughs> he, he looks into the future and does a great job of uh, putting classes together and that sort of thing. Next year in particular, you mentioned kind of depth being the importance of the swing position, and I'm certainly in agreement with you there. Joey Baker coming back for his fifth season, and then Jaden Shute uh, entering the mix as an incoming freshman as well. I mentioned the athletic and all the great stuff you have in the middle of a crazy college basketball season where every story is about coach K's final year at Duke. That's the most important thing for Duke fans and the college basketball world. My guest today, Brendan Marks found time to get to Yorkville, Illinois and put this feature together on Jade shoot, which was just awesome to sit there and read through. And my big message over the past few weeks has simply been the fact this is still a top 50 recruit in the country. And, Brendan, at any other school, not Duke, I mean, this would be the fans would be so excited about this player joining their program and that sort of thing. It, 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 in a way, I, I kind of want to pause a lot of the conversations that we start to have about needing to find somebody at that spot because I don't want it to turn into some level of disrespect towards Jaden Shoot and what he might be able to be. Yeah, I, you know, he's a really interesting player. And, you know, I, I'd never been to Yorkville before I went up uh, in January of this year. Interesting place. Um, but no, I mean, Jaden is an incredibly nice guy. And I think that for what he's able of doing, I think he can make a difference next year. I don't know that he's going to, again, it depends on who ends up filling that two guard spot. But if it's somebody who maybe doesn't offer the level of shooting that Duke needs, like, Jaden shoot like the last name is I know we all make the pun about the last name, but like the kid can like he can shoot. He can really shoot. Um, And the thing that I think is is going to be interesting for him is as it is for a number of high high level recruits, high caliber guys in high school, he's going to have to adjust once he gets to Duke. And I think it's something that can actually benefit him in high school. He's the guy bringing the ball up the court. He's the guy who's driving and dishing. He's doing all of these things at Duke. He's going to be coming off ball screens and he's going to be rising up. That's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be coming around the wings. He's going to be coming around bigs and he's going to be launching threes. I think that lends itself well because it takes away some of the other stuff he has to do that maybe isn't quite his strong suit. The thing that I I don't think people realize about Jaden is that he's incredibly athletic, like head above the rim athletic. Like he can get up there and, uh, you know, he's got decent size. He's six, five ish, Um, not thin, not like super built, but, but definitely not skinny. He's athletic. I think he's a guy who, depending on how the shot carries over, that's the swing skill. But if it does right away, um, you know, he's a guy who can certainly be a part of the rotation next year. We don't know if Shire's going to go so much longer on the bench or if he's going to sort of follow what Coach K has done historically. Um, but I would imagine that Jaden, at least early on in the year, is going to have an opportunity to get some shots up. And if those shots start falling, he is going to be playing basketball for Duke next year. He's going. To, Shire will find minutes for somebody who can put the ball in the hole from three which is what we want to see, that's for sure. I I can't wait to see what decisions are made by Trevor Keels, by A.J. Green, and and really be able to say, okay, this is the team going into John Shire's first year in Duke. Uh, A busy time of year in Durham as Mike Elko is going into his first season as their football coach. So really exciting stuff. Brendan, you always do such a great job with The Athletic, not only covering Duke, 
but covering that other school that saw uh, that Duke played in the final four there. One more time, talk a little bit about the athletic and, and maybe promote a project or two that you've got coming up. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And like I said, you know, it, it's uh, I think we have the best sports writing in the planet. You know, like you mentioned, one subscription gets you access not just to all of my work, but our whole college basketball team. So you can read about opponents and, and different other goings on in the sport. You can read about changes to the structure of it. You know, what might be coming down the pipe in terms of new tournaments and breaking away from the NCAA, college football, MLB, like it's all there. It's a one stop shop. So I think that that's fantastic. And then um, just in terms of what I've got going on right now, the things I'm really interested in are trying to find out deeper levels of understanding about what we already know. So, I, you know, I already talked about a little bit, but getting to the bottom of what does NIL look like at Duke? What is Duke doing in terms of promoting their guys? What are they doing in terms of uh, competing with some of these other schools that are throwing out? ludicrous dollar amounts you know what the, the assistant coaching staff that's great that they're here what are they going to do what is what is jay lucas really best at jay lucas has a fascinating family story that i won't ruin because i want people to read it uh, when i write it but um he's got an incredible backstory going through durham and and you know obviously the basketball roots there are very strong so finding out what makes those guys tick what they're going to bring to the program specifically i think it's all about trying to for me read like reform my understanding of what Duke basketball is all about as we're going through a change in era. You know, I knew the things that coach K liked to do, what his preferences were in terms of practice, in terms of process. And that's all changing now with John Shire. So I'm trying to learn about all of that at a deeper level so that I can understand cumulatively when the games actually start, why is X, Y, Z happening? And next season, when we're going through the same off season, you know, comings and goings, you know, what, what are they looking for and how are they going about doing that? So it's a whole new world, um, but that's what's exciting. That's what's fun. And, and hopefully I'll be able to cover it all at The Athletic. No doubt. Brendan, I certainly do appreciate the time as always. It's always a blast catching up with you. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. We'll do it again soon. All right. That's my buddy, Brendan Marks of The Athletic, joining us on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. As always, please be sure to follow and subscribe our podcast wherever you get them. Leave us five-star ratings and reviews. It means a lot. If you're watching us on YouTube, share this video with a friend. That's going to do it for today's show. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.